We have the record button now. That is the most depressing thing. That was a good podcast through 10 minutes. I know, we were rolling. Motherfucker. All right, five second pause. We're going to start over. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to a podcast in Enchantment. I'm Joseph Nardone. Today, I'm joined by Midmeter Madness editor Chris Schutte. We actually recorded the first 10 minutes of the podcast, but without me hitting the record button. So we're doing it over. So, Chris, I know you're wearing shorts and a Dayton Flyers t-shirt already. How are you doing today? <laughs> what would you have said if I told you that I had changed into a different shirt because you said you don't like Dayton? Uh, I'd be really impressed. Did you? I did not. Oh, that's really sad. I'm in pajama pants because that's the laws of recording podcasts on the Monday before uh, Christmas, even though this will be released on Christmas Day because timing is fantastic by me. Chris, are you ready for some off-the-wall questions? Yeah, that you've already I, I'm ready received. For, yeah, for whatever you might throw at me, I, I am prepared. Are you a Keanu Reeves in the Matrix or Keanu Reeves in Point Break type person? Well, as he previously told me in the, the 10 minutes before, I want to be a Keanu Reeves, John Wick person, but the constraints of the question have limited me, so I am a Keanu Reeves uh, Matrix person. I'm going to ask you again. Um, did you think the Matrix trilogy was any good? I did, and, you know, I think we actually had... A good discussion again before. Sorry to all the listeners that are going to have to deal with us referencing the the ten minutes that are lost to the to the ether. But I, I view the the Matrix as being just a set of entertainment uh, entertaining movies, and that's really all I'm looking for in movies and you know entertainment as a whole. Like, am I entertained? If so, yes, then I consider it to be good. That's pretty pretty simple uh, criteria. Yeah, that's a good barometer to have. You don't have to overthink the entertainment. Are you happy with the product? Yes. Then you don't have to keep going looking for the meaning of life within the product. Um, if you could create a fictional college, what would its name be? School of Hard Knocks. I, I'm prepared for this one now. <laughs> yeah, you are. Now, explain to the listeners uh, the, the the mascot of the school. So it's essentially... Uh, is a, a knocker that... The proper like thing to thing to call it, like a door knocker, the thing on the door. door in you yeah, hit it. yeah. Just you walk up to a front door there instead of ringing the doorbell, you grab the probably some type of metal material and knock it on the door. And it's it's essentially one of those that just walks around and looks really terrifying and probably shouldn't be allowed near kids. Yes, we decided we already discussed it. It have googly eyes. Would it have a mouth? Ooh, mascots with mouths kind of weird me out, but also ones with... I don't, I don't think there's either scenario in which you win and make a mascot look good with or without a mouth. I'll, I'll go with a mouth just for to make it look even more demented. You know what my favorite thing about mascots are with mouths? Like, if, there's, if, if the mascot's smiling all the time, and then say yeah. the team's getting crushed, and the camera zooms to them, their emotion yeah. still shows happiness. Yeah. Like, they can't change their emotion. And I think that like on the inside, it's just like the hello darkness, my old friend, to like the <laughs> yes. probably like the twenty year old like guy getting paid like nine dollars an hour to just like like the St. Joe's Eagle has just got to be absolutely jacked for like how much he has to just like flap his wings throughout the entirety of a game. I couldn't imagine doing that. That has to be I don't want to say a thankless thing because I bet you they enjoy it. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But that has to be like a difficult job to do. <laughs> yeah, I would I would be exhausted by like the first media timeout. Like the uh, leprechaun in Notre Dame, when they score touchdowns, he has to do, like, fake push-ups. Yeah. Like, who wants to do that on a Saturday? I'm assuming he's hungover from the night before. 
Well, like those those Oregon teams with like Chip Kelly, like the Duck would have to do, and they'd be putting up like 60, 70. <laughs> Again, this you know this mascot's doing like three or four hundred push-ups. Poor Duck. He's, I mean, to be fair, he's probably on steroids. Um, Chris, imagine there's a grassy knoll in front of you. What's the immediate thought that pops in your mind? Uh, JFK shooting. Correct. Assassination. Correct. Um, the next question I already asked Chris before. Um, I'm just going to make a joke about it because I, Chris is 24, and I asked him about the No Limit Soldiers. For those unaware, that's the uh, Master P uh, record label. They used to be popular when I was a teenager, which means when Chris was like nine. Um, and I asked him if they really operated without any limits. He had no idea what I was talking about, so we're going to move on to the next question. What happens to us when we die? Well, we essentially boiled it down to what is essentially a waiting room um, after you die. And, you you know, you take your ticket, you go to the desk, and then, you know, based on whatever criteria you choose to believe in, you get sent to heaven or hell. I, you said the DMV last time I asked you this question. I prefer to think of it like a dentist waiting room where... Ooh. You're nervous because it's a dentist waiting room, but at the same time, you want to just get it over with. So the waiting's mm-hmm. actually the hardest part. And then afterwards, assuming you're a decent person, you know the root canal will go find you and go to heaven. Yeah, they, they you get you get called into the office. They do that little scraper thing. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to hell. Like just that'd be r- rough shake of things. I what do you envision hell looks like? Is it like the the church's version of it do you think it's a little different do you think maybe it's slightly fun i mean it's it's probably fun if you make it fun i just i don't necessarily have a bad depiction of it in terms of like a visual like you know environment i just think it's just filled with a bunch of just really awful people yeah i think that's right i like i i don't envision it being like where people are getting tortured all the time and i also think no um any entity uh i'm using god but like vaguely here as like a catch-all for whatever gods you were anybody worships um i don't think any guy that would punish people for like eternal damnation that seems a little strong that's all like like we here on earth us human species people like we don't even like punishing people for life you know what i mean like we get right about that he's gonna uh punish people for the rest of time that seems excessive unless like yeah. you know they're hitler then i get it <laughs> yeah, the the few extreme cases, like yeah, I think I think we can can pull together some resources for some you know eternal torture. Right, but like if you're the uh, the guy at the at the office who doesn't like who like leaves just a little bit in the coffee pot so he doesn't have to make it, like that person deserves to go to hell, but not for eternity. Maybe for like a couple months. Yeah, yeah it's just like an overnight sentence and how like do do your time and you're out. Yeah, like, do it well. Like, you know, get out for, you know, time served and good behavior. Um, good, yeah, good behavior. We're going we're gonna to move on to normal cues. That segment the first time around was gold, but we rushed through it because we already did that segment and I didn't record that because oh, no. I'm an idiot. So Chris is an editor at Mid-Major Madness. It's an SB Nation site that focuses on, you won't believe it, Mid-Major college basketball teams. Chris, why don't you tell us about your role at the website? 
Yeah, so as an editor, um, just kind of doing a little bit of everything, um, taking on, a, I write a couple pieces a week when I can, um, you know, do a little bit of, a little bit of tweeting on the old Twitter, um, ed- editing stories and, you know, kind of helping plan out, you know, different content and different, um, you know, things we want to do and run throughout the season. And then, um, on the rare occasion that we record a podcast, sometimes I record our podcast, um, not not terribly, terribly exciting, but I enjoy it. I, I like what we do. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of your guys' uh, website. I told you that before. A couple of the other guys there. Uh, you guys have a nice staff, a well-rounded staff. Uh, I would say a very versatile staff. Where sometimes somebody will write about Moby Dick, and sometimes it'll be it may straight, a more straightforward college basketball piece. Do you guys have like a yeah. a plan for the week, or is it just kind of like are you guys winging it? Yeah, we're winging it. We <laughs> move a, a couple of years ago. We used to kind of make it a, a point to like have like an editorial calendar. Like, hey, we'll have this story run on this day. We'll plan out this for that day. Now it's pretty much just like you know we'll write whatever we want to write and whatever comes in will comes in. But yeah, we pretty much just wing it on a weekly basis, which I, I think we're we're managing. <laughs> we're doing all right. Who has the biggest ego on staff? Oh, it's Cam by far. <laughs> Cam Newton, yeah, uh, which is 100%. his real name. Everybody. Yes, yeah. Uh, he doesn't uh, have the biggest. You probably know him as. Oh, he absolutely does. One hundred percent. I know. Oh, Cam yeah. For, I know Cam for a surprisingly long time, considering how young he is. Um, that sounds creepy the way I said it, but I've known him going back to when we worked at the same college basketball website forever ago. Um, and where he was accused of using a fake name because his name's Cam Newton, like the football player. And I had a fight with a, I guess, quote, air quote, boss that, that, like, you know, he wasn't lying about who he was. Yeah. So he's the biggest ego. Let's talk about Cam's ego. Oh. He he just, he, I I want to preface this by saying I love Cam to death. I think he does fantastic work, but he... He loves him some some attention on Twitter, and I I think he would be quick to admit that. But it's it's all in good fun. I I think Cam does a fantastic job. Yes, he has he does his mid major top twenty five, which usually turns into a discussion about liberty, um, not by him, yeah. but by people in his mentions. My favorite part of that is the people that are yelling at him about liberty, saying this isn't a real poll, you don't matter. But then they're in his mentions yelling at him. Well, and we had this discussion uh, on our podcast probably a month ago. Russ and I like like polls don't matter. Like they're like our poll doesn't matter. The AP poll doesn't matter. Coaches poll doesn't matter. Like none of it matters. Like it's it's simply a tool to use to like drive narrative. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a subjective like viewpoint of of one person's opinions. Like. I wrote if you're getting mad four, about that, you I, need to take a chill pill. I wrote about uh, polls for Forbes before the season. I said, it's like at best, it's like an entertainment guide. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. To like kind of give you a heads up. We think this team is the 20th best team in the country, but we're not too sure because the sample size is zero. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Not to mention, like, say I go on Twitter today and I say, you know what team stinks? Duke. It doesn't mean Duke's going to go out and lose three games. Like, what we say yeah. about these teams doesn't mean... It doesn't change how good or bad they actually are. 
Yeah, it, w- w- anything I tweet and or say or write has absolutely no impact on how the team performs. No, literally none. Like, none. The only time anything anybody writes impacts anybody is the one that's like a actual report of something, and usually when somebody did something awful. Um, yeah. Before you got... Th- uh, we're going to go to a little origin story here with you before we get back mm-hmm. into the SB Nation stuff. Where did you get your start, like, blogging and writing and stuff like that? Was that always something you wanted to do? And then when you decided that, how'd you get going? Yes, uh, to take you way back, my, my parents are both former uh, journalists. They worked at the the Fort Wayne paper when I was born. My dad was a sports journalist, so he that's kind of where I... Um, got my interest and and he was only he only did it for probably four or five years while i was born before switching to something else but i I grew up um you know just being passionate about sports and kind of had it instilled in me to you know really enjoy like reading the sports page and reading different um you know sports you know magazines or websites um, when that kind of became a thing and um as far as getting my start with SB, uh, SB Nation, I was, I think it was the summer after my sophomore year of college, and I was going home for, uh, no, I wasn't going home, I was staying in uh, Indianapolis instead of uh, going back to my hometown of Fort Wayne, and I was uh, looking for a hobby, and so I started a, a personal blog, and I honestly don't even know if it still exists, I only wrote probably four or five things, and then I, um, I was vaguely familiar with been major madness and so i i clicked on their site to find contact information for whoever was running it at the time and just sent an email like hey i'd be interested in writing um you know they brought me on it started from there as mainly like a like a summit league not not a beat reporter but like that was like the one league that i wrote most about because at the time iupui was um in the summit league and then it just kind of grew into there and um, you know, I've, I've been working with uh, Russ and Greg, the one of our other editors, for pretty much my entire time there, and we've all kind of we all kind of came in at, at the same time, and um, I've been an editor editor there for I think three seasons now, three plus seasons. The um, I can't say I was familiar with the website like however long ago. I think maybe I started to really follow it two years ago, and then like kind of fell in love with it like going back to last year um yeah and <clears throat> because you guys do a great like i don't think a lot of people remember what early blo- like the early internet looked like with the blogging where it was what tristan young does for you guys sometimes is reminds me a lot of the early internet where you'd have maybe not somebody you'd consider like a straight sports ball writer but somebody that could just write really well and just yeah. write something so creative that doesn't have a place anywhere else. Like, it doesn't have a place in the newspaper. It doesn't have a like like, the old traditional outlets. And that's what the early blogging, like, early internet was, where, like, people were just trying to be creative and fun and do something different. And it wasn't, like, all the listicles that we see now or whatever. I think you guys do a great balance of that. Like, the evolution of the early internet blogging, plus journalism, plus, like, it's... A communal type feel which is very very hard to build um yeah. at this stage of the internet because almost all the communities have like a stranglehold on whatever they have a stranglehold on um mm-hmm. do you does that get to your head ever like do you guys realize not to get it get to your head that's the wrong way to phrase it do you guys realize how good of a job you guys have done with the, the website 
yes. Not like not to sound like super like conceited, but yeah, we we kind of take a lot of pride in what we've built. We know that just with the way that mid-major basketball is covered, there's not a lot of you know places like us that really devote all their resources towards covering. Like you'll you'll get a a rare feature from like a like the Athletic or maybe a, a CBS writer will will do a piece, but. The the sites that really just hone in on mid majors is is are few and far between, and I, I think a lot of us, I don't think any of us are really like career journalists. I think we all have different day jobs that <laughs> that don't involve you know like writing about sports. So I, I think that's where like wanting to maintain the you know the fun you know kind of shit posty um, you know vibe that that we kind of have while also combining it with you know actual thoughtful you know coverage and analysis of teams I, th- I think particularly this year we've kind of really found a, a good balance between the two um so there's other SB Nation sites that do obviously cover college basketball um like the, i'm not talking about like the national sites i'm talking about like the team or conference specific ones sometimes right. I, i'll see you guys or i'll see them really more so i'll try to interact with you do you guys um I don't know how to phrase this without putting you in a weird spot. Do you guys ever, like, conference or team site X from your network will message you guys on Twitter? Do you guys just want to be like, yeah, fuck you guys? Because you guys are on such a different... I don't... In my opinion, I don't... not Listen, I don't read every single SB Nation site, so it's not fair to me say, like, your guys is the best of all the basketball ones. But um, of the ones I do have read... Like, a lot of them are just aggregation sites, obviously. And then other ones, they try to do things, but and they're still trying to find their footing because, like, you know, a lot of the writers are super young and all that stuff. So, like, what is your... I guess, what is your relationship with other sites that are similar to your guys? I mean, believe it or not, there's actually not a ton of huge um, interaction between the two in terms of, like, trying to cross-promote content and stuff. Um you know, we'll, we'll interact with, say, Slipper Still Fits, for example, the SB Nation Gonzaga block. They're obviously going to, I mean, it's all Gonzaga stuff, so um, we'll interact with them on Twitter. But there's not really a ton of, like, you know, sliding in each other's DMs, like, hey, well, if you mind giving this a plug, we'll give one of yours a plug. Or, hey, you mind linking to this on, on you know, your site. I think a lot of it, at least on our end, is if we see, like, they don't need to come to us to, for, you know, a promotion. Like if, if they do something that we like, well, I mean, we'll reference it. I don't think there's really not a, it's a, a cordial relationship, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, a good or bad one. I, I, I like all of them. I, I think they do good work, but I'm like you, I, I'll be honest. I don't actually read a ton of stuff that they do unless it's something that piques my interest well the thing is so like the, the question i want to ask you here is do you guys kind of feel like i know you're under the vox sb nation umbrella but do you guys kind of feel like an independent site because that's the vibe you get reading it do you know what i mean like and i mean that yeah. as a compliment not as a like oh you guys come off as cheap i mean like you come off as original outside the box also very different than most of the sb nation sites do you know what i mean so like do you guys feel like that? Like, is, is, is that, was that intentional, or is it just kind of the way you guys grew together? Or, I, I think it was both. I think that's kind of the, the vision that we had for it. Like, we wanted to be a place that does good work in, in the terms of, you know, providing good, like, thoughtful, detailed coverage, but also be a place that 
you know, people can have fun. And uh, you, you mentioned community earlier. Like the fact that we can, uh, we can tweet out some, one of our like Villanova mid-major jokes and have a bunch of people in the mentions be like, uh, Villanova's not a mid-major and then have another set of people come in and be like, Hey, like, it's a joke guys. Like this is, this is their thing. Like, I think that's like one of my favorite things is like just having the, the people that love interacting with this, like on a day to day basis. That's probably my, my favorite part of it. All right. Enough of fluffing up mid major madness. It is great for those that are listening to this for me and not Chris, for some reason, and you don't know what it is. I'll leave it in the newsletter thing here and you could click on it. I really like to work. Uh, before I start asking about SB Nation stuff, um, in general, give me some of your industry pet peeves. Industry pet peeves? Ooh. Uh, Doesn't have to be anything super strong. It could be something small, like people that use I a lot or something. Uh, I'm really not a fan of the gamble. <laughs> we, we talked about this uh, privately in, on Twitter the other day, just the, the rush of just gambling like against the spread columns and I, I know why they do it like there's every site pretty much does them and gambling talk is um pretty prominent in just about every aspect of sports coverage these days but i i think it's you you made the joke they're like oh i want so and so in my picks i'm x amount or my record is x over the last last whatever like who like who cares like leave all that out like if you have actual like analysis on what like the picks themselves are fine like but but the self flagellation over your record i think is i find that kind of obnoxious well it is and i know a lot of them market themselves as touts and that's why they do it yeah but none of the that record does not matter unless there's analysis to go with it do you know what i mean it's almost like if i was like i'm i don't want to say no because it's not like i'm a famous writer but like i'm most known for writing soapboxy opinion stuff but, like, I can't mm-hmm. rate that stuff without also having factual information in there. Like, I can't just be like, thing X is bad, end column. Do you know what I mean? I have to be like, here's this yeah. thing, here's what's happening, here's why I believe it's bad, here's the facts to back it up. It can't just be like, my record's 5-1 and one in the last six games against the spread, bet all your money on Marquette. You know what I mean? Like, you have to give a little yeah. context to go in with that. And then there are yeah, guys that I do think... it well, but I think the yeah. over, there's an oversaturation of the market already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Um, other pet peeves. What do you think about I, people I think that put like, CBB or NBA in their Twitter handles? Is that a pet peeve? Oh, it's one of my all-time favorite personal tweets. <laughs> is I know. I thought, my, I, how I, to, remember I thought you were direct, directing at me because then I had my, my, my independent website, CBB, today. <laughs> no, but it was, I mean, before the season, I always... I'll get like a rush of followers that's like CBB News 1 or CBB Talk like 27, just so many of those. And what they do is, and this is a a really stupid thing for me to be annoyed by, but everything annoys me. Um, Just if you're, if you can find a way to leverage or turn your brand into a fat, like, thousands or tens of thousands of people that follow you just by tweeting out box scores or just the most just like surface level analysis by all means like good for you man like i'm happy for you but just like some some of those accounts i think are i find wildly annoying and obnoxious 
I don't understand the end. Like, all right, so I'm not going to name the person because it's totally not fair just to bash a random dude here. But there mm-hmm. was, I know of a guy that has like the CBB thing in their handle. Um, it's not the one you're thinking of. I'm going with somebody else. Um, who's young. Nobody really knew who he was. He wrote for me for a while. His writing was very green. He needed a lot of help and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, good guy. He's a good guy. And, uh, but like, he just, his Twitter is box scores. And he started, yeah. for what he started, and he interacts a lot on Twitter and stuff like that. So he starts getting a lot of followers and all this stuff. But, like, what's the end game? Just to have a lot yeah, of Twitter uh, that's, followers? I, I think so. I mean, like, that's, I mean, if that's what you want, by all means. But, just, but all you're going to do is going to keep doing the same thing? Like, you want to be able to get a lot of retweets because you know how to copy and paste a box score? I don't get yeah, it. I, mean, I honestly like, don't get it. I, I, feel, I, I feel like an old man yelling at clouds, but I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if, if you have a vision for, like, cashing in on the grift or something, like, good for you. But, I mean, if, if that's what, you know, people like doing, like, that's more power to them. But, that, yeah, I, that's one thing that I find annoying on Twitter. Early in my early in my career, somebody uh, established who likes my writing was like, "Hey, you need to tweet more and blah blah." Like, tell me that I need a brand and stuff. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't want to be a thing." You know what I mean? Like, I don't care to be a thing. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Well, he was trying." And I understand he was trying to help. One, he was trying to help me, but he was explaining like how if you have more followers, it leads to more uh, employment opportunities. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Listen, I don't one. I don't have a lot of takes. Like, I just don't." Mm-hmm. I, I not that guy that has a take on everything. Sometimes I watch a basketball game. I have a lot of small takes that aren't worthy of any thoughts. And generally, I'm like, that was a basketball game, and I wipe my hands clean of it. Yeah. But um, I was like, also like, you know, like I'm a writer, so if I have like thought that I feel like are worth someone's attention, I'm gonna put them in a column. I'm not gonna put them yeah on Twitter. And he's like, I mean, he's not wrong because I am aging out now because of it, but like. He's like, you're going to age out. Nobody's going to know who you are. I'm like, one, I don't fucking care if anybody knows who I am. Two, like, whatever. Like, who cares? But, like, I do feel like the opposite now holds so strong where there's so many people that, I'll say, I'll call them good on Twitter, I guess. Um, but then they're not good on any other platform. So it doesn't, you need, I guess maybe there's a balance that needs to be had. But I don't think anybody should, like, cling to Twitter because it's such a small echo chamber of noise anyway as a way mm-hmm. to like validate themselves or feel like this is where I am professionally. I'm not saying like it's a bad thing if you're popular or you shouldn't like, you know, be happy if somebody said something nice to you on Twitter. I'm just saying like it's such a small percentage of the world. Like my only thing I've learned in my god over a decade of doing this is the click through traffic rate on Twitter is the lowest of all of social media platforms. Of all of them. Yeah. Um, yep. meaning that there are times I've seen people have like a hundred retweets on a column and only have 30, 30 reads because mm-hmm. nobody's actually reading that column. Everybody's just following that hive of retweets. So it's a poor yeah. indicator of where you're at. Um, do you have any other pet, pet peeves before we deep dive into some SB Nation shenanigans? Uh, nothing really in particular that's... Nothing, not one you know, single where, thing. Nothing that immediately comes to mind that is just like burning a hole in my brain that I need to, to get it. I'm sure I, I will come across other things and daily passing I, i've got like non like college basketball like twitter related things that like annoy me in like daily life if, if that's what we, <laughs> i mean listen into. if you have something you have to get off your chest about daily life do you not like how much dunkin donuts coffee t- co- costs is that one of the issues 
There's a there's I honestly don't even know where the nearest Dunkin' is me. I'm a I'm a loyal Starbucks Starbucks guy. Just you like those purely based coffees. on Yeah, the, there's nothing I love more than starting my day off by spending like five dollars on a like twenty ounces of cold <laughs> brew that's gonna make me jittery at my desk. I only I don't I mean that unironically, it's it's like one of my favorite parts of the day. I don't want to bad mouth Starbucks because I've only had it once. But I had the reason I don't drink it is because I had it the one time and I felt like I could jump through a wall. Um, oh yeah, and it was a little good stuff. And I like I suffer from an anxiety disorder where like I'm jittery all, mm-hmm. all the time to begin with. So like that caffeine was like basically like throwing cocaine in my system and be like start the day and I'm like oh, I can't I'm so productive I don't know what to do with my fingers. Um, we are gonna tr- what are, wait before we get into the serious stuff. What are your thoughts about bowl haircuts? Bowl haircuts. Yes. Uh, I personally would not get one, but you know, if you have if you have the confidence to feel like you can rock it, by all means, go for it. <laughs> I uh, when I was small, this is a true story. Um, maybe five or six, I got a real life bowl haircut. Like my mom put a bowl over my head and cut wow. my hair. Yes, and I had that all the way up until I was like seven or eight. And uh, then my father's like, he looks ridiculous. Can we please give him a normal haircut? <laughs> and then I've never walked it since. But I'll tell you this much. Those pictures have aged great. Because you know what? Never yeah, uh, they probably stuff. make for a great story. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say that. They don't make for a great story. But the people thought I was Asian as a baby. Really? Yeah, I'll, I'll put the picture. I'll put one of my child pictures in the, the Substack post here where... I'm not going to say a lot of people, like a couple people, but like my, she's now my aunt, but she's dating my uncle, Jimmy, my, uh, my aunt, Marianne. I was maybe like three. I, I was only told this story because I don't remember it. I was like three years old. I was fat. I was small. And she, he said, she said to my uncle, Jimmy, it's really nice that Mary and Joe, my parents adopted an Asian baby. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, that's, that's Joseph. He's uh he's theirs. He's like not adopted. I will put that for context purposes. I'll put it in that picture. All right. So we're gonna transfer over to now to some pretty serious stuff. SB Nation, mm-hmm. um, the California law bill, however you want to phrase it, which uh, was meant to protect labor, um, and in turn, instead, SB Nation kind of used that as. And I know it's complicated, and it's not like, but they had other options, and they mm-hmm. the option they decided to do was just. All California freelancers are gone, and they're basically starting from scratch, despite a lot of those guys being there for a long time and putting in so much effort. You work not in California, but you work for SB Nation itself. We've talked about this in private, and obviously, you know, conflict of interest stuff, and I don't want to put you in a super weird mm-hmm. spot. But when that went down, right, like you already knew about the law, like a lot of people. I, what was surprising to me mm-hmm. how many people didn't know about the law happening. Um, which goes into effect, I believe, January 1st or something like that. Um, when the initial posting came out that said, basically without telling the people in L.A. that they were losing their jobs, that they lost their jobs, and they tweet, they, they had a blog post from like a main account, um, what did you think? Like, What ran through your mind? Well, one, I, I was... I was kind of confused about like what was actually happening. Um, but once I read up on, you know, some of the context of the law and why they had to make this decision, it, it made sense from just a legal standpoint. Um, but where I think uh, SB Nation and, and Vox has 
really struggled as a whole throughout this, you know, two, three year saga where they've been faced with a lot of issues um, with, you know, underpaid team side writers or contractors or, or people writing for free. It's just, they're so, so poor at communicating like major issues to, to the team sites. Like I, I was reading, um, I think it was the, the Golden State Warriors blog, how the, the initial um, post that went up on, on whatever SB Nation, um, you know, administrative site was the first they were hearing about it, you know, like a week before Christmas, like just from like a PR standpoint, just, I, I do not think they, they handle that aspect of, of things very well. And you, you've seen the kind of, not necessarily the outrage, but the, just kind of the, the discourse on Twitter about it. It's pretty much everyone is consensus. Like this is, a really terrible way to, to go about handling your business. And I, that's, that's just removing the actual, you know, consequences of the actual decision out of the equation, just from a pure like communication standpoint, I, I think it's just been kind of a shit show. Yeah. Their communication things is obviously really bad. Like the fact that mm-hmm. other people found out from a blog post, as opposed to um, something a little more personal. Or in private, even. So they didn't have to, you know, yeah. learn about it alongside everybody else. Um, so all these things are happening. Nobody works for a perfect place, right? And no matter where you right. work. Like, not just this industry, any industry in general. And I've kind of, over the years, have softened my stance. Like, because when I was very young and I wrote, I wrote for some shitty websites, content mills, all these things, thinking mm-hmm. I was helping, right? Um, yeah. So, and it took a while for me to and then like i hated them you know what i mean because i felt used and i was used and all these things but like yeah. i hated them and i'm like never again will i do this for those places nor should anybody else but then like i was like at the same time like somebody's got to start somewhere i can't hold it against a 20 some year old kid that he wants to write somewhere he needs somebody to help him learn how to write not everybody can right. write at a local newspaper so like i no longer have my hardline stance of if you write for fan side or sb nation you're you're complicit um, mm-hmm. but do you have like mixed, mixed feelings at all ever like operating underneath that? Like, cause you're not them. You're Chris right. at mid major madness and you guys are operate separate for them, but you work under that giant umbrella. Do you ever feel like weird about any of that? Is that something that weighs on you or anything? Or is this something you try to separate from like, you know, what you guys are doing at your website? I mean, I think we try to separate it internally just because. Um, like you said, we are not them. We are not the ones making the decisions. Like if trust, like if we had the resources to be able to, you know, give everybody a bunch of money for, for the writing, by all means, we would do that. And that's like one thing we've, um, really pushed for the last couple of years is trying to leverage our, you know, the work that we've done, because I know we've, I mean, we've been growing extremely fast and we've tried to leverage that into being able to, you know, generate or like bring in more resources that we can use for um, the site. So I, for, I personally try to separate it. Like I don't necessarily feel like I'm complicit in it just because I don't think a dumb article that I write that generates hundred page views is really, it's, they're not going to notice. And that's something I've said, like we're so far down the, the totem pole and like me specific, like I'm like, they don't, they don't know I exist, which is fine. I don't like, I don't want to be somebody with like that type of profile, but 
you know, when when you see this type of stuff happen, and I think this um, can go for like any profession, when you see just kind of the the poor mismanagement at the top, it kind of makes you want to look at, um, makes you imagine if you were in like a different situation. So like if we were at like a different side or under a different umbrella or doing it independent, I, I definitely think that each subsequent um, event or incident that that happens with the overall, you know, SB Nation Vox entity kind of not necessarily pushes us out the door, but makes us, it, at least me personally, nudges me towards thinking like, hey, I would rather be doing this somewhere else. Yeah, it makes you disenchanted. Um, yeah. And it's one of those... Di- I, I obviously do not want to be speaking for you, but like it's like we, I said before, if you worked at like Office Max or I don't know if there's still Office Maxes, but like whatever, you worked at like whatever place and it was a similar mo- like a business model where the very, very few at the top are, you know, eating, you know, financially while the majority... Corporate America, baby. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, that's how a lot of people that are outside of this try to justify this, that, well, this is mm-hmm. how it is in the real world. And it's like, no, not in the real world. People get paid. You know what I mean? Like, there is a minimum yeah. wage. Um, the What I always felt dirty to me, this isn't just an SB Nation thing. This is also a fan-sided thing. A uh, billion other networks, uh, not just sports-related, just industry-related, where they'll hide behind the contractor stuff and freelancer stuff, but then they'll do things that are actually illegal. Like, uh, yeah. you're, you're required to work X amount of hours. No, you're not. Yeah. You're, you're you're a contractor. That's against the law unless that's the contract you signed. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of what the follow from the California thing was. The the law, the way I understood it was, all they had to do was not put quotas on how many posts there was per month, and everything mm-hmm. stayed the same. But because they wanted to yeah. keep the quotas on there, um, that's why SB Nation made the move they did. Plus, you know, financial stuff. Like, it is complicated. It's not as simple as... yeah give everybody their jobs although in a perfect world that, that that'd be what would happen um you guys have a, a slack channel for mid major madness i am assuming yes yep so this all happens to you guys all without breaking their anonymity because you don't want to be outing them what they said uh is that what you guys have talked about for like a day or two at a time like was this the big thing for you guys uh, the follow-up yeah that? we uh we kind of discussed like okay if this happens like in a state where one of us lives, like what is our game plan? And we, we've had internal discussions about where, like what we want to do with the site, like the future of the site, um, all that kind of stuff. And this was just kind of another wrinkle, um, that we had to, to bring into the, to the mix. Um, we yeah, for you know, a day or two, at least when it was all coming out, we, we all kind of brought up what we thought the best course of action for our, for a, "Quote unquote" contingency plan um, was. You know what I thought. And I don't know if we ever actually okay. got to a good conclusion of what we're actually going to do, but it, I think we're all pretty much in lockstep with, you know, how we, the direction that we've wanted to take the site. There's, I don't think there's ever really been any any infighting. Yeah, I think it needs to be made, it needs to be made clear where. Because some sites are different. I do feel like Mid-Major Madness is your guys. Like, it's you guys. Like, you yeah. guys represent. It's not... I know people are going to know the brand, like, the name of the site, Mid-Major Madness. But it's really... Mm-hmm. The reason why it's alluring for the last two years, at least for me, because, like I said, I haven't read it, like, 
going back many years or anything, um, is because of you guys, because of the work you guys do. I'm not really, right. I don't care what the name of the website is. The name of the website could be like pinkelephants.com. I still like the content that's on it. Um, I do yeah. know there's other places at SB Nation where the brand, um, because of staffs before that left or writers that left before, they built it to such a strong point where the brand does matter more than the, not more than the staff, but that's what people recognize more. Um, is that something you guys think about as well? Like when you're thinking about all your options, like maybe going independent or, or doing this or doing that, they're like, hey, like we've worked really hard on this specific brand where we'd be starting kind of over again. Even though you probably wouldn't be, st- you wouldn't be starting from scratch, you'd pull a lot of your own guys back over, like your own right. leadership with you. But is that part of like the discussion as well? Is like, well, we did all this work from the Major Madness. It's kind of hard to like leave it because it's your, like it's your baby. It's You don't own it because Vox owns it, but it's yours. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it would be hard to leave the infrastructure just from stuff in terms of, like, web design and, like, the the content platform. Like, that's stuff that would, would be difficult to leave. But like you said, I, with, we would be, we, I think we recognize that we would be able to leverage some sort of readership. And, like, we, we know, like, with, like, internally that we know how to build up a site that people want to read. And I think we... If we were to ever, you know, go to another site or go independent, we'd probably be doing a lot of the same stuff that we're doing now, just in a different place. Which I think makes it um, it would make it easier if it ever came to the decision that you know we want to do this somewhere else. There, we wouldn't have that hurdle to get over in terms of, you know, is this the best for us? Do we think we can really do this? Like, what if? We just can't get it off the ground. I don't think we would really run into that. Well, listen, if you guys want. Issue, for one dollar, you could buy CBB today, FB. It already runs on Google. <laughs> it has all the backend infrastructure you need. You need to update the Yoast settings on it, but everything else is done. I that that website. I like uh, the only advice I could give you going independently is, and you guys clearly aren't doing that. I did it by myself, which was a mm-hmm. mistake. And I'm also the type of person that like I, I'm, uh, I probably have too too much conviction. I guess to the point where like. I refuse to do sponsor sponsored concert or yeah sponsored concert right. sponsored con- content and I try to pay my writers as much as I can which meant me taking money directly like we we did well traffic wise too like but like still like you're not making a ton of money so like I ended mm-hmm. up like, taking money from my own pockets to pay some of my guys here and there and then you know you're by yourself and it becomes a heavy burden but if there's three or four of you doing it or more um, then it's not so bad and if my shitty website could do like we were doing a hundred thousand hits pretty regularly a month um and that mm-hmm. was basically just with like three posts a day and no communal feel no branding um basically just people that liked me um i'm yeah. sure that you yeah. guys could do way better than that you know what i mean um so there is alternative or like a newsletter or which costs zero dollars or whatever you yeah know? i mean there's options for you guys and you know how much i like you guys and i hope you guys do really well and i do hope people realize anybody that works at sb nation writes for sb nation isn't sb nation like you're not the thing that's wrong here it's yeah the thing that's wrong here is vox you know what i mean so yeah um it's it's just it's an outdated business model it it was a business model that shouldn't never happen to begin with but right it's it's now it's outdated and i do think we're gonna hit a a hard industry reset at some point 
or maybe not my generation or even your generation benefits from it but like when the labor labor model keeps shifting and there's more laws that pass um this kind of like the content milly structure where it's a pyramid scheme of fan sites that funnel upward into like 10 writers pockets um probably won't work anymore you know what i mean it won't be feasible um, I yeah. do feel like that. I don't want to speak for you here, so you can tell me to fucking kick rocks. I do feel like that's what's happening at SB Nation now, where they have the banner society thing, where they're yeah. they're trying to, without saying anything, they're just pivoting into flagship sites, and then eventually yep. the team sites will all kind of just be gone. Yeah, I and I I've talked with some other people from other um, SB Nation sites that I hang out with fairly regularly. Uh, we we kind of share that same sentiment that that's probably where it's going. Like you're going to have your, your college football hub site, like the banner society. You'll probably have one for the NBA. You'll have one for NFL, college basketball, all that kind of stuff. I think ultimately it's going to, the way that I think makes the most sense for them is to break them all off into kind of their own entities. It's still under, you know, the SB nation, I don't know, branding or, well, Spencer Hall's on record what? on Twitter pretending Banner Society's not a part of Vox. I don't know why he does that. I, there's uh, <laughs> backloaded from 2016 from Vox websites on it. Um, yeah, that's a commu- again. That's a communication thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think part of it too. And it, it, it might not be. It might be a. It, it, I'm I'm assuming it's a, a Vox entity. I would just hope that. But yeah, I, from a. Probably from a legal standpoint, it's not technically under the estimation right. umbrella. But and I, I don't want to. I've never talked to Spencer, so I don't want to like say claims like as if I know him to be a good or a bad person. But a lot of it could just be like I feel yucky um, with the way the business model was, and I just want to move. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if I'm not, I'm not saying he's complicit, but even those that were complicit as well. Like, at some point, maybe they didn't realize how bad it was. And now they do, and they're just like, motherfucker, can we just fix this and move on? Do you know what I mean? Because I would get yeah. it. Like, there's been things in my life where I might not have realized whatever was happening was not great. And then it was, and then it's like, holy shit. Let's fix this quickly and move. And th- but then you want to move on. You don't want to be like, and yeah. it's still horrible. You sweep um, it under the rug. Right. Um, we're going to finish the show with what's essentially the first segment all over again, but it's a little bit different. We call it Final Questions. All right, you have to na- do this very, very quickly, this first question, okay? Okay. Name three white, bald men. John Gross, Jeff Bezos, and Chris Mack. Okay, that was, you did very well. Last gift of the show, Raphael Johnson, I na- asked him to name three white guys with curly hair. He couldn't come to a third. Could you name three white guys with Ooh. curly hair? Uh, does Paul Rudd have curly hair? I don't know, but he's gorgeous. He doesn't have curly hair. He has beautiful eyes, though. I could get lost in the curly hair. I ooh. I would not be able to do it quickly. Yeah, he struggled with this as well. He did two right off the bat. I don't remember who he said, and then he couldn't come to a third. Uh, he was he was he was relying on white guys that had long hair, like Afro hair, that like got yeah. really long, like almost like Will Ferrell in uh, that basketball movie type of long. Uh, yeah. Next question: Who tweets too much? Uh, the president. 
I mean, that's an acceptable answer. I was looking for everyone, <laughs> but um, Every, yeah. yeah. He also I, does yeah, I probably much. tweet too much. I tweet too much, and I only tweet like twice a day. Um, Twitter's evil. Uh, follow-up question. Your favorite, you're only 24, so it's not like you've had a thousand of them. Not that I have either, but I've had like four of them. Your favorite social media platform of all time. Ooh. Probably not. I, I was a big Vine guy because it came out... Um, it was like big when I was still in high school and early college, and I, I could just spend hours upon hours of just sitting there on my phone watching just absolute nonsense videos. From a pure entertainment standpoint, I think Vine was probably my favorite. Is TikTok now just like another version of Vine? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, I liked Vine as well. Um, I was a big MySpace guy in my early twenties. You weren't. Yeah, I I was. At the very tail end, I don't think I ever actually had a MySpace because by the time that um, most people my age were getting into social media, it was around the time that Facebook was starting to become a thing. Poor, poor Tom from MySpace. Uh, who's your favorite non-sports ball writer? So anybody that doesn't write sports. Uh, I love Drew McGarry uh, and David Roth. A lot of those those deadspin people are... are um, well, Drew, Drew's still, Drew's still, I know he does the mailbag thing. He's still a sports ball writer. Yeah. Just kind of like the, the shit posty, like fun type of blogging, which I, I like reading a lot of his stuff. There's not, honestly, not a ton of like people that I really like make appointment um, writing. So I, it's aside from like a couple like books and stuff that, I read recently I don't really have like a ton of like writers that I you know have to like drop everything to to read what they write that's fair um last question for you if you were chosen to be part of the first contact team to send a message to aliens and were asked to write the message what would it be Villanova is a mid-major <laughs> Oh, that <laughs> Fortune 500 company. It runs itself. Yeah, see? Should put that on a t-shirt. Oh, and send the proceeds somewhere. Um, and then, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. Why don't you tell the people where they can find your work and where you're on Twitter and Instagram or wherever else you're at on social media? Uh, Twitter um, and Instagram. I'm at ChrisShooty3. Um, my Instagram pretty much pictures of my dog. Um, you can read my stuff on Mid Major Madness, and every once in a while on Crimson Quarry, which is the Indiana SB Nation site. But other than that, yeah, just you'll probably find me on Twitter tweeting about general nonsense. Yes, Chris is like me. He uses Twitter like it's AOL Instant Messenger. It's fantastic. Give him a follow. Go to Mid Major Madness. It's a terrific website. I'll link to all these places in the Substack here. If you're listening to us on Apple or somewhere else, um, I guess you're shit out of luck. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-E-R-D-O-N-E. Thanks for listening.